Frank, it is that time of the year. It's update season, iOS 12, officially out. How excited are you? Oh, super excited. I love downloading 12 gigabytes of Xcode and updates to every device. It's so much fun. No, I'm being silly. It is actually fun, but I am doing a lot of downloading, trying doing a lot of catch up. Have you been keeping up to date? Were you on the betas? No, I was anti-beta, no betas. I took the beta summer off. I said, eh, mm. doesn't seem like anything I need to add to my apps. I'll let, you know, let it all just come out in, in September and go from there. Uh, you know, I always get, we talked about this on a previous episode. I get very nervous because I present so much that me messing around with my machine and Xcode and installing all this stuff, it really throws me off. I, I mean, I would like to test out this stuff because there's some cool new features, but I, yeah. I don't know. I just get very weird. I don't know. How do you organize know. your machine? I, you know, I've gotten pretty confident or arrogant about it all. I, I, <laughs> you know, things have just been kind of working. I've been pretty lucky. So the trick with Xcode for all those out there, um, you just give it a different name in your applications folder and you can really name it anything you want. And then the nice thing is when you go into Xamarin's uh, Visual Studio for Mac or so this is the question how it works on the Windows side. But if you're on a Mac, then you just give it the path to the Xcode that you want to use in that instance. And as long as your Visual Studio can handle that version, in other words, it's pretty up to date, you're good to go. And I found that even switching between like the stable channels and the alpha channels of Visual Studio has been a pretty reliable process. And bouncing between the different Xcodes, as long as you don't mind taking up tons of hard drive space, has been pretty reliable. So on the iOS and Mac side, I'm sorry, on the iOS side, it works great. I don't touch Mac. I'm afraid of updating Mac. <laughs> yeah, it seems, it seems like why add even more complexity to a complex state of like, oh, I want the new OS X and the new yeah. iOS and who knows the incompatibility there, right? Yeah. If I have a laptop laying around, I'll, I'll update the Mac, but I would definitely won't do it on my dev machine. It's just too scary. Um, I, yeah. I am, I am a wait six months and then upgrade Mac OS X. Ah, uh, see, I'm not there. I, I can handle a few reboots from time to time. I use Dropbox. It's fine. <laughs> I've guarded myself against terrible little bugs like that. You, no, I, I think if you have a, um, what is that thing? Time capsule? It's not a time capsule, but what's time the machine? Back, time I'm machine there. backup. Yeah. yeah. That'll probably be good. So, yeah. Problem is, my time machine external hard drive is smaller than my main drive. So, I got to I gotta go get a new one of them someday. I'm, I'm riding without the backups, but all my important stuff is stored up in the cloud. So, it's fine. Ooh. You know, I used to do Backblaze backups, but that's that's the service that Apple needs to offer. Time Machine Cloud Backups. I'm sure they would love to. There must just be a physics economics problem preventing them from doing it. Like, oh, can we host? You know, uh, I think there's a lot of Macs out there. So can we host all that? Tough call. Come on. Come on, Apple. Get your stuff together. Well, Frank, you know, I don't have the new iPhone yet as of this recording i mean i won't have one heather will have one before you'll never me. have it yeah that's uh, right I'll, buddy. Ne I'll never <laughs> have it but you have it it's on your phone ios 12.0 how does it feel it's completely magical and different no it's <laughs> it's actually pretty similar uh they ruined the messages app if you want to send a photo you got to click two buttons now to select your photo photo it's it's totally barbaric it's terrible but aside from that it's a great little release everything works 
<laughs> they broke a few things in a few of my apps, so I actually had to upgrade them. I guess they were technically bugs in my apps, but they were fine in iOS 11. <laughs> hmm. So I recommend everyone uh, make sure you do a full manual test of your apps in iOS 12. There are a few little things. Uh, like I said, it was a bug in my app, not theirs. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on this? Oh, okay. Well, I'll give you the exact example, but it's going to sound technical and boring. Um, in SceneKit, I had, um, you know, when you do uh, flexible meshes with a skeleton and a game and all that, uh -huh. I have that in my new app. I have uh, a skeleton and a skin that goes over it. And I had a few degenerate triangles in that mesh. And the degenerate triangles are like triangles that actually take up no space. They shouldn't be there, but they're there. And they never caused a problem in iOS 11, but in iOS 12, it was just, you know, those awesome graphic glitches you get when you're running a game or something mm -hmm. like that, where like triangles are all over the screen with random colors every time you move the camera, you know, it's quite a spectacular bug. And it, I was really pulling my hair out because I was like, oh God, like, why would this break? And it took me forever to figure out that my math was wrong. Because like, that's the last code that you want to debug. You just pray it's something else, like a configuration setting. But when you're like checking all your math, you're like, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and so the OpenGL ES deprecation hasn't impacted you at all? You're all good? I tend to use SceneKit these mm. days. I really love SceneKit. It's a great API. It just works. You don't have to deal with that uh, black screen issue when you're first writing a GL app. Yeah, mm. Beautiful. So, not, not an issue. Well, I would say, I'm, you know, I look through the iOS 12 features, and this is why I wasn't, same thing with Android P. I usually upgrade stuff, and I get everything going, and I have all the previews, and I'm messing around. The, to be honest with you, I wasn't really impressed with a lot of the new developer APIs in both Android P and iOS 12. I mean, I'm impressed by the ones that are there, just not, um, I'm not going to use them, right? I think ARKit 2 like if I was making AR kit games, I would totally have this, right? The multi-user and persistent AR, like that's super cool and object detection. I also think that the brand new notification interactive controls is really important. So I might actually start looking at that for some of the notifications I do. But some of the other stuff, I'm like, oh, there's a new network framework, a natural language. Like that seems cool. There's some deprecations or some CarPlay stuff. But, you know, overall, I'm like, eh, I'm okay, you know, but there's one feature, <laughs> Frank that sticks out in my mind and it's one Ooh. that i think you've been messing around with what's that one i do well, like OpenGL. it's not that <laughs> no, it's not OpenGL. it's a uh, siri no. shortcuts yes i've been playing around with the shortcuts app in ios 12 now i've been on the ios 12 beta but that didn't necessarily come with the shortcuts app you had to join like a super beta list to get the shortcuts app beta but i beta. never yeah i think i signed up for but i either missed the email or i never got on it so i never got to play with the shortcuts app and if you're new to all this the shortcut apps allows uh end users real people to script apps in their phones so say send this bit of data to this app call this action in that app then do this it even has loops i think it has conditionals so it's almost like a real programming language <laughs> uh, i think it even has variables so you can do wow. you can make quite complex things in this and i guess this is a feature i've said i've always wanted <laughs> you know i always complain oh why do i have to take these manual steps to do something and it's it's never really been a great um, 
feature, an ability that we've had. There have been apps that have attempted this, but this is, you know, first class support where the whole ecosystem is going to buy into the scriptability. So it's an exciting new thing and we should talk more about it. Yeah. And this seems like it's, it's the evolution of Workflow, which is an app that Apple bought last year. Bought. Mm-hmm. Purchased, acquired, give me. So, you know, reading about this online. So there's two distinct parts to this because I'm a developer and this is a developer show. There's this consumer facing thingy uh, yeah. app. It's an app that for all intensive purposes, correct me if I'm wrong, it's really powered by Siri. Is, is that an accurate statement? I, you know, the, I think the problem is Siri has become a brand name and it's mm. just getting tacked onto things like Cortana gets tacked onto things. Mm. Um, DeepMind at Google gets tacked onto things. What's the IBM one? Uh, oh, the one that Watson. won Jeopardy. What's it called? Watson, Watson. gets tacked onto things. Um, but yeah, uh, from from our perspective as developers, we end up using uh, this, is it new? Siri kit? It was introduced in iOS 11, but it was simpler. And they added some new features in iOS 12. So this this application, I could say, oh, I'm watching a movie. Uh, And then you could say, oh, if I tell Siri that I'm watching a movie, maybe do not disturb, turn down my lights, interact with other apps. Like you said, send some data like, oh, I could be like, oh, um, I'm cooking pasta. And then Siri could be like, oh, I'm setting an alarm for four minutes, right? A timer just automatically yeah. so it's this type of automation things kind of automatically once a script is running a script is automatic but as far as i can tell it's still all manual triggers so you either um have to go to the shortcuts app hit the button you can install the button onto your home onto your uh today screen the widget screen you know the place with the stuff <laughs> um also you can associate custom siri commands with them and this is where it gets a little bit of fun so i could come up with a, a script that says like annoy uh, james and i would say you know siri uh, <laughs> ahoy device whatever what are we calling it uh annoy james and it would send out emails and texts and tweets annoying james and i can automate all that and that'd be wonderful and then you can just bark it across the room whenever i'm in a bad mood <laughs> hmm. i like that it's similar to on Android, if this then that, if to yeah. they they have on Android a app called an if this and that button. And what you do is you set up your automation. So if this, do that, but they have it if I press this button, do these things. So it's not really cross app, but it's more like, you know, oh, I want to control my hues lights, but I don't have the app. I just want to have everything in if this and that, but then also do this, this, and that. So it sounds like there's different bits and pieces coming into this kind of user automation. We talked about home automation last week, which is funny. It's like, this is like smartphone automation in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right now I'm thinking of it as an aggregator of apps. So just like you said, like I have a bunch of apps that are tailored to certain things. These apps control these devices. This app is how I want to do my email. And through the scripting interface, you can say, turn on the lights, then send an email. You know, that's my red alert trigger or something like that. Now, what we don't have is what you mentioned is the server side, if this, then that kind of trigger system where an external event can execute these things. As far as I know, you can't do that now, but it's an obvious feature that'll probably come in the future once Apple figures out a secure way to do that, have external triggers. 
But for now, this is just a nice, huge step in the name of productivity, keeping your sanity, and having a little bit of fun with your device. It sounds if, and there's if statements, kind of loops, there's variables. It's sort of its own programming language. Is it too complicated for some people? No, I think it's it's a nice system where you can start small. So like your basic shortcut could just be send an email with, it can almost be a templating system with this subject and this two field and these few lines of text. If you end up sending out a lot of canned messages or something, this is perfect for that. So I, you know, a one step script, I think is actually pretty useful in this app. And then you might add two actions and then you think, well, maybe I want to send out 10 emails and ding, 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 ding. All of a sudden you have a loop. So I think, yes, it's a programming language and it's a visual programming language. And I never, ever really liked Apple script. I thought it was a terrible programming language, but it's not that it's a more of a visual uh, procedural kind of, uh, what do we call that? I don't know if there's a good name. It's almost like a flow chart, but without the lines. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking through the Shortcuts app, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, and they have some pretty decent examples. I don't know how realistic they are, but they have one that's like walk to coffee, which is search for coffee within 1.5 miles and then show me a list that I select from it. And then from that list, select it and then do walking directions. Uh, they just sure locked your app, dude. That's terrible. I know. In their example. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's a good, that's, that's something pretty decent because what do you do today? Today you open up Yelp, you type in coffee, you search for the coffee Mm -hmm. list, you find the coffee, you see reviews, you hit the maps and then it launches the map, but it's in driving, but you're walking. So you hit the walking button and this now that's of course saying that the search local businesses is going to be better than Yelp built into Apple maps, but maybe there's a Yelp shortcut i guess that you could build into this thing that would be kind of nice yeah and i think that's where a lot of the power is going to come from is when more apps start exposing more features to this system so in the beginning it's just going to be sending out a lot of templated emails and text messages but i think it'll mature very nicely over the years we've been begging for this feature for a long time and so i don't need it to be everything all at once i like starting small and getting caught up and figuring out how it should evolve and all of that. But we should talk about it. How do apps integrate into this thing? It's not something I fully understand yet, full disclosure here. (laughs) If I did, I'd have it baked into every one of my apps right now because I think it is pretty useful. I can think of a lot of fun use cases like execute this C-sharp script in continuous and, you know, do that kind of stuff. Yeah, there seems to be an API that we've learned about, but it's built into Siri. So it does seem as if Siri itself kind of becomes the umbrella here in a way. Yeah. And the shortcuts as you know, the shortcuts, there's a shortcuts app and there's a shortcuts API. And then the shortcuts themselves have a very fun name called donate donations. You're donating <laughs> donation. You're donating shortcuts to Siri. <laughs> It's so funny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the idea is whenever, and this is kind of a clever design. I I like how Apple says this. So instead of having a giant configuration file in your app that states all of your uh, possible shortcuts or anything like that, what you do is whenever someone takes a prominent action in your app, you 
tell Siri about that, and they call it donating. <laughs> and you just say, hey, the user did this with these few parameters. Maybe they want to do it again. And the idea is that Siri, through all its magical AI wisdom, will see, oh, the user does this action 10 times a day. Maybe I'll suggest it to them in the morning or something like that. I guess that's the ideal case. It it, it sounds as developers, we have control to kind of be like, Siri, this is something that my user is doing over and over again. So maybe suggest this thing and do this thing. But from what I can find, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, there doesn't appear to be a single way to say, hey, Siri, what I would like to do, have this templated, um, I'll take an input, I will process it and give you back a list of data. Yeah, that's the part I'm afraid is missing right now, but I haven't read all the docs, so if it's there, please write in and let us know. But I don't see, yeah, for a way for us to say, these are the inputs I want, here are some options for this input box, you know, a basic form kind of input grammar that we want to give it. I don't see that in the API right now. Mm. And so we can talk about a fallback solution to that, but I think it is kind of a glaring hole, but as I said... um, I think we're in the early days of this feature. It's going to mature quickly. You have the donation of shortcuts and you additionally have personalized voice phrases for Siri, which I think is pretty powerful. Um, Now this donation of shortcuts, what Siri is asking you to do or Siri kit itself is specifically asking you to continue to tell Siri that the user is doing this thing. You mentioned like the user is, their, their, their example that they have and both Xamarin has ported it as the soup chef. And they're like, oh, you have a soup shop and someone continuously orders tomato soup every Monday around noon. So if you continue to track um, and say, hey, make this donation of the shortcut, which is this user buys tomato soup around this time. So when they do it, Siri goes, oh, this application seems to be used to do this specific thing. And then you can put, um, it's very similar to the 3D shortcuts, the 3D long press or the, the, right. Whatever those little indication history things that you could type into the mission control shenanigans and you would. We should stop here because I I think a lot of people don't know these are here because if you're like me, you never force touch anything or 3D touch anything Yeah, because I just don't think about it. But at the same time, uh, tons of apps are exposing this. I know I've even baked it into my apps and any file based app. If you, is it long press on phones that don't have force touch or 3D touch, but some gesture 3d touch normally and a little menu pops up with a bunch of little actions Mm -hmm. so over the last few ios updates pretty much all of us have been adding these actions because honestly they're pretty convenient so if you're not using them you should check it out try hitting those icons hard smash that (laughs) icon i had i had them in xamarin evolve 2016 that was the first time that they were in there which were which were a way of, yeah, we we just had shortcuts to different sections of the app. But for instance, Twitter has a, you know, a tweet, which will automatically open up the tweet or do you know different you know, trending parts or things like that. And it's a way to bring your users back into your application. There's additionally, when you swipe over on Siri, you can start typing something and you can tell Siri about information and products and categories in your app. So for instance, uh, that what we did there is uh, for the Evolve app, we not only had the 3D long press where you could jump to different sections, but we inventoried 
So we didn't make a donation, Frank. We inventoried our <laughs> our entire catalog. <laughs> so if someone typed yeah. in Android, they could see all the Android sessions or whatever, and they would jump directly into the app. It's almost, uh, it's very similar to app indexing uh, in a way. So all these ways are to get users back into your app. That's that's all this is, by the way. It's, it's ways to get people back in your app. So uh, yeah. And that's it. But it's it's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant too, though, because unlike web pages, you can't have Google scraping your app. There's no way to scrape an app. And so the onerous is on us to publish any information we want users to be able to search for. And I don't know about you, but I don't even use the home screen to launch apps anymore. I flick down and start searching. That's mm. I've just become a search freak. And it's either on the bottom of the home screen or I search for everything. So I really appreciate it when apps bake that into them. There's definitely something else to look for there. It's funny, all these technologies now that we're supposed to put into our apps to make them talk to the OS, you know, broadcast more about them. One thing that we went over kind of quick was during that donation process, you can actually suggest uh, Siri lines, default voice commands for people to use. And I think that's super cool uh, to make it super lazy for people because unlike the shortcuts app, the thing where they can use, you, uh, you would have to just make up your own phrases and think about it and all that. But with the system, with you donating these intents to the operating system, uh, you can bake in the voice phrases automatically. So you can just publish those. Yeah, there's the shortcut management. So you're creating your own sort of shortcuts in a way to automate things. But take that soup example, you can tell um, Siri to enable shortcut management for that shortcut you created. So users themselves could have a buy, buy soup button, and then it would take them to the soup and buying it, for instance, or <laughs> soup of the day. And you can, you can kind of have these different um, we're just going to go with the soup analogy because that's what all the documentation is written in. <laughs> You're going to make me open a restaurant because like, I just want to write this app now. So I'm going to need a restaurant. I mean, if you're creating a restaurant app, the soup app, it seems right up everybody's alley, but, but that's it. <laughs> and and what's cool here is, is um, that, you know, they're available. Um, so it says shortcut suggestions are available to the user only in the settings app under Siri and search section. That's different than oh. the donated shortcuts. Okay, so there's shortcut suggestions oh, okay. and okay. donated shortcuts. And the donated, they show up in places such as Spotlight Search, Lock Screen, and Siri Watch Face. So you want to do both. Uh, the shortcut okay. suggestions are things that you are you yourself as a developer are predicting that your users are going to want to do over and over again. Mm -hmm. That's where you're predicting, whereas the other one, you're informing the OS that the user took this action. Yes. They did this, they did that, they did that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's making sense. But oh boy, it's sounding like between that and the uh, search uh, inventory, you called it? Yeah, sounding like a lot of things I need to add to my app. Yeah, search inventory is uh, the part of this uh, suggestion uh, where, not, not yeah, not the suggestion, but is part, part of Spotlight Search. So it's not a Siri kit, it's a Spotlight API where you're <laughs> telling see. Spotlight about all of the products that are there. However... That's for the bits and pieces of your inventory of your app, where this is more of the, I want to do something, not I'm trying to find this thing. That's what this is. It's I'm trying to do something, not I'm trying to find something. Or I'm trying to find something and do something. 
you're betraying your Android roots because you're lecturing me on iOS APIs right now. So you, you're, you're ahead of me on iOS. How does that make you feel, James? It, you know it all. It makes me feel great because <laughs> both Google and Apple have been trying to do this for a long time. Uh, right. Right. And Android wants to index the world. They want to index your app. They want you to integrate into um, the Google search. They want to do slices now. They have all these different APIs. And slices is is similar to this shortcut suggestion, by the way, if I go in my Android P. Slices mm-hmm. is a way for you to put a slice of bit of information into Google now and other places so you can recommend things and you have control. It's very similar. These these two features, they're very unique. That sounds okay. So that sounds is it a blend of the spotlight inventory system and the action kind of system or is it more like just the spotlight spotlight inventory? Well, so let's say you search for Lyft, okay, in your phone. And Lyft would then recommend, do you want to navigate home to your work? You could infer different uh, uh, items like that. There are actions and slices, by the way. So they have very, very similar things between the two. But that is kind of what they're going for um, inside of it. Uh, and, And this is just allowing kind of third party apps to be more you know, present in the actual operating system with their own specific Mm -hmm. user interfaces that are there. So that's kind of what they're going for. Actions are like, it says, it says actions specifically, they say are like shortcuts or recipes similar, similar to the uh, action terminology Google created for assistant or Alexa skill, which is very funny that we talked about this last week uh, that let a user quickly access deeper function of an app. With a tap of a button or a voice command. Go figure. They're the same thing. Some examples could be <laughs> uh, calling a Lyft ride home or ordering uh, a meal for takeout. Google says actions can be created for any third-party app in the live in the search bar um, where slices are UI kind of bits and pieces from third-party apps that will be integrated into the search bar. So there are like more things that you can do uh, on top of it. So it sounds like, you know, actions just similar to these, right? So there's some overlap here where a lift ride is there. However, a lift ride could give you more of the user interface. So it could update and have its own custom information about how long it would be going home. And you're running a little bit of functionality there. Uh, that's the I think, stuff. I think we need to give ourselves a job and make a new infographic explaining all these terms, explaining like which technology brand name exposes which data and enables which features from which users, because there are so many names and so many access points. It's it's hard to keep in your head, honestly. I feel like there's got to be some way to simplify it. Other than the fact that you keep in your head that all these things are possible and you're just going to have to Google and look up how to do them and what the right API is for everything. Yeah. But you did mention something I'm a little jealous about because so you can put some UI into those Android things and it looks like that part is missing for us. Mm. Too bad. Too bad for us. Too bad. In the iOS side. But uh, there is one technology I want to talk about. Um, that's related to all this and it's called x callback url have you heard of this one Ooh, i think it brings me back i don't remember is that the like pre everything thing 
Yeah, it's kind of the free everything thing. Let me explain. So in iOS, there was, even from the early days, there was no way for an app to talk to another app. But what you could do in iOS was open a URL. And apps could register uh, different schemes, uh, URL schemes, the very first part of the URL, and register URLs that they'll respond to. And so that created a very informal protocol for apps to talk to each other. Well, very quickly, everyone realized that we don't need an informal protocol. We need a formal (laughs) protocol. Mm. And so the community of developers kind of invented this standard called xCallback, x-callback. URLs. And it was just a standardized um, URL scheme and way to publish your scheme so that apps could talk to each other. And the reason I bring it up, it's because that's how the old workflow app worked. And so if you wanted to tie into the old workflow app, what you had to do was expose these X callback URLs. Clever. And rumor on the street, rumor on the street is that the current shortcuts app still supports that style. (laughs) The problem is I haven't been able to figure out how yet. (laughs) So we'll have to do a little bit of follow up on that. But I'm excited to find out if that mechanism is still baked into the app, because if it is, that means apps that haven't updated to the new system or uh, do things that the new system doesn't support itself will still be able to work in the scripting environment. I'm very excited about scripting my apps. I don't know why. I just want things to do more for me. Yeah. What you need to do next, though, is be able to try to script or still reach other apps from your app. I mean, that's what that thing just described, but it sounds as if we still don't have that API, such as the Android intent system. Is that correct? That's right. Mm. Yeah. And especially not in the Wild West way that we have it, because it's an informal protocol, you can trade any kind of data as long as it fits into our URL and um, just just go from there. Any app can expose any functionality. And I'm sure we're going to keep that. If you've put that into your app for one reason or another, you're probably going to have to keep it there because you probably had another app trying to communicate with your app, whether it was the workflow app or something else. This was very common with the audio apps because they wanted a way to like chain apps together. One app did this filter, the other app did that filter. And eventually that informal protocol actually got formalized by Apple and became an actual intent system and all of that. And so it's interesting to see these very informal things eventually be bubbled up. But I think that there's still a place for these low-level Wild West kind of things. Yeah, I'm a fan because there's always a fallback for the Evolve app. I like to go back to the Evolve app because I think it was a little ahead of its time. but <laughs> Knocked it out of the park, huh? <laughs> I think so. When you tapped on a username or a specific tweet, it would specifically attempt to launch the Twitter application with a deep link NSURL. And if it didn't have Twitter installed, it would then look for TweetBot and sp- and try to launch you uh-huh. into TweetBot. And if all else fails, then just launch the web browser or whatever, right? That's the fallback, fallback. Right. But go through those, um, and it would be Twitter colon, and then they each had a different API, TweetBot colon, <laughs> and there was multiple slashes yeah. and all these different things that would go along with it, which is kind of funny. 
<laughs> yeah, they were pretty uh, terrible URLs. I remember those days. And the problem with that is, like you said, you kind of have to enumerate this list yourself. You could just throw a URL out there, but most of them are tied very specifically to apps. So you have to maintain a database of apps. You have to pay attention if they still have that functionality. It's a kind of a dependency nightmare in the long term. So a proper intent system like Android has and like what SiriKit is becoming is definitely better than that. But like you said, good fallback. Good fallback. Yeah. 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 The next and final piece is to have a place where developers can go, where they can discover these intents, where they can discover these shortcuts and then integrate and we can all share together in this happy, beautiful world. There used to be a website for... Uh, I remember that's how I found the Tweetbot one through a deep, deep linking and it was taken down or something. I couldn't remember what it is. And Android has the same problem. There's no global place that you can go that I know of. Users correct me, listeners correct me if I'm wrong. If you know of a place, because that would be a magical, wonderful place on the internet to have. So uh, there was an X callback URL website out there that was for a time maintaining a list. The problem is that list is so far behind and <laughs> developers don't update it. You know, that's the problem with informal things like this. So they it, it, it'll be a good list for a year until whoever's maintaining it gets tired of it and then it becomes a bad list. Yeah. And you mentioned... You know, I, I do think this is a user feature, though. This isn't so much a developer feature. It's it's good for us to be able to trade data between our apps, but I think the big thing here is exposing it for users. So keep that operations very high level and useful. Don't expose a million actions that are like, change the circle to red, change the circle to blue, change it to green. You know, we want to avoid that kind of stuff and just think at a higher level and think of the user. Try to figure out. I'm excited that I finally have um, some analytics logs from users so I can actually mm. see what actions are popular. And so it's really just, you know, pick out the popular actions and turn them into shortcuts. Classic Frank learning from his users. That a that boy. That <laughs> it's a new a Frank. Boy. Never did it before. I like to guess what the users want. It's better that way. <laughs> I love it. Ah, that's it. I think that's shortcuts in iOS 12, our new favorite feature of iOS 12. The best feature ever created, revolutionary, never before done, ever. Until we talk about the neural networks on there, and then we'll talk about how Android did neural networks first, and then it'll just be a constant battle between iOS and Android, but we'll end it for now. (laughs) And then I want you to get your iPhone XS, X's, Uh multiple X's, (laughs) and then that has the dedicated, you know, uh, machine learning TPU or whatever neural (laughs) chip and then i wanted you to see how fast everything is between the two things and just see if you can just run all those neural networks super duper fast all up on that phone oh god just Mm. getting everything configured sounds like a nightmare but i'll try (laughs) sounds great all right buddy i think that's gonna do it anything else you want to talk about in this ios 12 shenanigans no well and that I know all the Android users out there have been rolling their eyes this entire time, so we better end it soon. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, you, you, our listeners, our amazing listeners, can tell us what you think. What's your favorite feature of iOS 12 or Android P? We love both of them. Let us know because we want to talk about those awesome APIs and, and, and actually do some development on them. So you can write into the show at mergeconflict.fm. You can also tweet at us at mergeconflict.fm. You can just hit me and Frank up on the Twitter sphere at James Montemagno and at Proclarum. And of course, we love it if you would rate, review, 
subscribe, share with your friends the podcast. We would absolutely be delighted. So until next time, this has been another Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.